0: thing you need to fight the trump administration this is the bill press show live at youtube.com slash the bill press show he did
1: not win it on his own now we know and that is driving donald trump crazy hey what do you say everybody happy monday happy president's day monday february 19 uh, to george and abe and uh, all the way up here. Happy President's Day as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Hope you had a great weekend and are ready to dive into the news of the day, even though it is a day off. For some of you, uh, you know, unless you work in a bank or a government office, you probably uh, don't have the day off. Because
2: school kids still get the day off. A lot of parents are dealing with that. Oh,
1: yeah. School kids <laughs> have the day that. off, too. Yeah, there is that. Forgot about that. Uh, at any rate... Wherever you are, thank you so much for joining us here Uh, as we hustle through the news of the day from a studio on Capitol Hill here in Washington, D.C., with lots to talk about. Every time you turn around now on cable television and the networks, you see students from uh, Parkland, Florida, and the Stoneman High School out there saying, we are... We're sick of the politicians doing nothing. We want some action. They've scheduled a march in Washington on March 24 to get some sensible gun safety good for them. Meanwhile, Robert Mueller, through uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, issuing indictments against 13 Russians for interfering in the 2016 election and helping throw that election to Donald Trump which proves that Donald Trump is dead wrong when he says it was nothing but a hoax. And LeBron James in a little battle with Fox's uh, Laura Ingram over who speaks out and who doesn't speak out. Lots to talk about. Give us your comments. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. And we'll get right into it. But first... This is the Full Report right, Press. Peter.
2: Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, it's Monday, so let's take a look at the weekend box office. A record-breaking weekend for Black Panther. Opened up to the fifth-largest opening weekend of all time. Yeah, it is heading towards a two hundred eighteen million dollar four day debut because they wrap in President's Day into the weekend, and one hundred ninety two million. Huh? One hundred ninety two million is already made. They expected As to make of even last more. Night. They expected to make even more today. It is the highest grossing movie ever for a black director. Ryan Coogler uh, directed the movie. Uh, it is the highest Sunday grossing movie. It, it made uh, more money on Sunday than any other movie ever, and. It is the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes that Marvel has ever done. Hmm. Yeah. I actually saw it yesterday. It's yeah. very, very good. All right. It's but it, it's still a comic book movie. I just want to be very clear about it. Like There are some people who expect it to sort of change the world. It's a very, very, very good comic book movie. So there you go. Go see Black Panther if you could get a ticket if it's not sold out. Uh, also, we go to the Olympics, which are still going on. They're still going on, Bill. Uh, the United States women's hockey team—they are going to go into the gold medal game. They beat Finland five to nothing over the weekend. They will either face Canada or Russia.
1: Oh man, won't that oh. be
2: won't that be interesting? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, so, just an update on where we stand with the medals. Norway is still on top. They have 26 total medals: nine gold, nine silver, eight bronze. The United States has fallen. Significantly in the overall medal count. Five gold medals, three silver medals, two bronze medals. We only have ten medals total. Yeah. So
1: they're talking about the Olympic drought for the United States. It's not good. Uh in twenty fourteen we won twenty eight medals.
2: Yeah, yeah, we got a long way to go. Way to go. <laughs> we got a long way to go. I mean, it's so it's Norway, Germany, and the Netherlands are at the top with the most gold, so we're not going to catch him. I can tell you that much.
1: Uh, no, and we sent a record 244 athletes Yikes. to Pyeongchang. Yeah, uh, not coming home. Not coming home with the uh, with the medals. Yeah, some people have crashed, like Nathan Chen. You Nathan know, Chen, sure, yeah, uh, uh, poor kid.
0: Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show.
1: Yep, the big news is, and Donald Trump can't stand it. We know now that Donald Trump did not win the election on his own. He had the help of his buddies in Russia. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is The Bill Press Show. This is Monday, February 19. It is President's Day. Be nice if you had the day off, and if you do, enjoy it. If not, uh, you're like the rest of us. It's just another day, uh, but a very important day because there's a lot going on, and we've got a lot to talk about. So enjoy President's Day, however uh, the day plays out for you. And thank you for starting the day by joining us here. As we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital with all the news of the day and a great lineup of guests, Ryan Riley from Huffington Post, senior justice reporter, will walk us through the Mueller indictment uh, and the FBI screw-up down in, uh, tra- in uh, looking into uh, problems with the shooter at uh, the Parkland High School last week. Um, we will also be talking about sensible gun safety measures with Stasha Stas- Rhodes, who's Director of Advocacy for Gun Violence Prevention at the Great Center for American Progress. Uh, And Daniel Stone, our friend from National Geographic, will be along to tell us about his new book that comes out uh, tomorrow, actually, called The Food Explorer. Uh, Again, good to have you with us. Don't forget, we want to hear your comments and get your comments on the news of the day uh, and let us know here at the BP Show. Uh, All of us uh, are, though, um, we have to start out with just a little tangent here. Um, we've all been waiting all weekend. Peter uh, had a big uh, special work assignment this weekend. Um, uh, his assignment was to – and, you know, he, he hated to have to do this, but, you know, we ordered him. He had to go out to see Black Panther. I did. Because none of the rest of us did.
2: Yeah. And? and... It's very, 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 very good.
1: Uh, well, uh, certainly I mean, got a lot of, lot of buzz. Yeah. And I made mean, a lot of money.
2: I, it made a lot of money. I, I'm a big – Marvel fan, I go see all the, all the Marvel movies anyway with my kids. We're we're, we're big comic book uh, guys. Yeah. Um, here's what I would say about Black Panther. It's remarkable to see a big budget movie from a gigantic juggernaut of a studio put their money into a project that is run by black people. Yeah, like it's a black director, predominantly black cast, and they're not side characters. The main characters are all. uh, uh, It's it's very uh, African American driven, and it's just. I mean, like a lot of people were saying, like, good for Marvel for doing, and it's like I I don't necessarily agree with that. It's just kind of like, look, you've got this huge presence, you've got a giant footprint in the movies. Use your money to put forth uplifting good stories about black people instead of, you know, a lot of the negative things that we see yeah. in the movies even still today. Uh, it's a fun movie. Both my kids loved it. Um, I loved it. It's just a very, very well-done movie. Cool.
1: All right. Yeah. Well, we're waiting for the report. Yes, I, I got to say, I think it also was pretty ballsy to call it Black Panther because there was a time, you know, 30, 40 years ago, whatever, sure. when... If you said Black Panther, man, you're thinking about the guys coming in with the long guns uh, into the California Legislature sure. or shooting a judge in Marin County, and anything, any, any expression of support for anybody who called themselves a Black Panther, you were considered, you know, pretty, pretty wildly left.
2: I saw an interesting quote,
1: but uh, this is I mean, from the director, the term, Black Panther, yeah. is kind of.
2: Well, I saw an interesting uh, interview with the director, Ryan Coogler, who says, you know, the the character Black Panther, the comic book character, existed before the Black Panther movement. And for so many people, like you say, the term Black Panther does not mean the comic book character from Wakanda.
1: Right. Right. It means something else. And so
2: now he's saying, like, hopefully we can reclaim that. Or used to. Used to. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And maybe it's – maybe this time – uh, from now on, right? Times have changed. People will think of Black Panther <laughs> in a different light. Hope yeah, so. All right. Oh, thanks for taking on that assignment. Yeah, for the, I hated I
2: hated to work over uh, the weekend, I but I was that. happy
1: to do it for All you. All right, there we go. Yes, indeed. And let's start with uh, let's start with the latest uh, from uh, Florida. Uh, and in the in the in the wake of the tragic shooting last week, there is actually a some positive news. And I got to tell you, we thought this would happen after Sandy Hook, and it didn't. But it is happening after the shooting last week uh, in in Florida down at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School uh, in Parkland, Florida. And it's happening because of the kids, because of the high school kids. And maybe if they weren't just first graders and second graders who survived uh, in, at Sandy Hook, things might have been different then. Because the Congress ignored the parents, wouldn't listen to the parents from Sandy Hook, even though they came down here and pleaded with Congress to enact some sensible gun safety measures after what had happened to those 20 little angels, uh, plus six teachers at Sandy Hook. But now, it is the high school students of uh, Stoneman High School who are demanding action, and they have had it up to here with politicians who do nothing and politicians who say, now's not the time. The voices of those, those, those students have been so strong, so passionate, and so impossible to resist. Uh, here's, Here's just one of them. Her name, she's 14, Lauren Hogg.
3: All these politicians are saying, oh, no, here, they're not ready. We don't need comfort. We need change. And that's the only way I know I'm going to heal if things change.
1: So they're saying all this stuff about, well, we can't define what's an assault weapon and what's not. Oh, it's not time to talk about this. We have to... It, it would be, it's not fair to the families and to the students to talk about now. We have to wait and everything. All they're saying is this is nonsense. This is BS. They don't want to hear it anymore. And these students from Florida have uh, actually called for a march on Washington on March 24. And you bet I'm going to be there. Absolutely nothing would keep me away from that to join them here. And they're demanding action. Uh, and I just hope – and by the way, there are going to be marches all over the country on March 24th saying this enough is enough is enough. This finally, finally may be the moment where we uh, do what Congress should have done years ago and starting with bringing back the ban on assault weapons.
2: You know, it, we get – we talk so much about the negative news around shootings in general, not just school shootings but shootings yeah. in general. And I, I think – a lot of us probably share a little bit of hopelessness, right, after we saw what happened yeah, in Sandy yeah. Hook and oh. nothing happened. But I had—I did have a moment when I saw the students speaking out because, you know, Columbine was about 20 years ago.
1: Yep, and that and, started this whole... And
2: that started it. But, like, look, I was a freshman in college when that happened. I was out of high school. Uh, you've had kids growing up in a post-Columbine world where... Things just changed at school. And certainly they. if you're, you know, these kids were 14, 15, 16. If you were nine years old, eight years old at the time of Sandy Hook, you've grown up in schools where you are constantly surrounded by the threat of gun violence. And so these are kids yep. who in a couple of years are going to start voting. Yep. And any politician that's going to... Stand in front of these kids that have grown up in this world right. of having uh, violence in the schools like this, and not say to them, "We're going to outlaw these weapons of mass destruction. We're going to try and limit these terrorists from coming into your school with these guns." They'll just say, "You don't get my vote." No. or they'll vote them no. out. That's right. But, so, but there was a glimmer of hope. I know, there was a and I know, of hope. I know. I
1: feel, I, I feel a glimmer of hope now because I've been so frustrated by this. This in action because nothing after, San, after Sandy Hook, nothing. After Las Vegas, nothing. After the Pulse nightclub, nothing. After Virginia Tech, nothing. And now after Parkland, and you know why? These kids are not waiting until they're voting. They, they're they're demanding action now, and so are their families. And I think it was very instructive that when Donald Trump went down to Florida on Friday, he didn't go meet with the families the way Barack Obama, George Bush Bill Clinton and others did because the families didn't want anything to do with them because they have had it. They're sick and tired of the politicians who don't recognize what's got to be done. Uh, and the response to these students, I think, is very interesting. Chuck Schumer, who's been a long advocate of gun safety, said yesterday, "Damn right, good to hear them speak out."
0: I am glad the students are calling out politicians who have voted against these kind of safety measures all along. Congress is paralyzed. And that's because of the power of the NRA and the gun lobby.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and even Republican John Kasich, governor of Ohio, said yesterday Congress has to act. He was on uh, State of the Union on CNN.
0: If you're a strong Second Amendment person, you need, to, you need to, to slow down and take a look at reasonable things that can be done to answer these, ch- these young people.
1: Yeah, and as Kasich said, one of his buddies yesterday who's a gun collector... What's the big deal? Talked to him yesterday.
0: I was talking to a friend of mine this morning. He's a big gun collector. I said, if all of a sudden you couldn't buy an AR-15, what would you lose? Would you feel as though your Second Amendment rights would be eroded because you couldn't buy a goddamn AR-15? <laughs>
1: no. No. Yeah. Because he knows he doesn't need it. And Casey is young enough to know
2: that he's going to need some of these votes from these young kids if yeah. he wants to have a political future, right? Yeah. We know he wants to continue his political future. He knows he's going to have to get the young vote.
1: Yeah. And this is a number one issue for young voters. Uh, uh, and you know that he's probably gearing up to run against Donald Trump, a primary challenge in, uh, in 2020. Uh, and more, listen, more power to him. Uh, and so I think it really does reflect on, and I, I really hope that this bites Rick Scott in the ass, who wants to be the next senator from Florida. Uh, where's Rick Scott on this? Nowhere. Where's Paul Ryan on this? Nowhere. Um, yeah, Paul Ryan keeps it. You, you notice their dodge is mental health, mental health. We've got to talk about mental health. I don't know. No, no. you got to talk about the easy accessibility of these weapons to anybody because it can be a perfectly, we think, sane person like the killer in Las Vegas who walks into a gun store uh, and, and buys and buys a, a whole arsenal of these assault weapons. And in this case, Nicholas Cruz was able to do so in Florida. Even though he's 19, he could buy an AR-15, but he could not buy a handgun because he's not 21. Tell me that makes sense. Absolutely no sense at all. And by the way, uh, Maureen Dowd yesterday um, in, her, in her column in The New York Times pointed out, there once was a guy who was all for a ban on assault weapons. His name is Donald Trump. In his book, 2000. He published in 2000 called The America We Deserve. He says he was in favor of a ban on assault weapons and a longer waiting period to purchase a gun. But then the NRA spent $30 million last year uh, electing Donald Trump. And he went to the NRA convention after his election and said, quote, you came through big for me. And I am going to come through for you. Do you need any more evidence of why Donald Trump is not saying anything about guns? Didn't in the wake of Las Vegas and did not hear in the wake of uh, Parkland, Florida. Uh, that's all you need to know. Yes. Now, Donald Trump's got another problem. And by the way, he tried to connect these two problems. And that is what we heard from Deputy Secretary Rod Rosenstein on Friday, which was An incredible announcement, Rosenstein announcing, on behalf of Robert Mueller. Let me just stop right there. It was hugely (laughs) significant that Rod Rosenstein made this announcement. Because this is the guy that Donald Trump wants to fire, both Mueller and Rosenstein. He makes no bones about it. He thinks Rosenstein and Mueller were both pro-Hillary people working against him. He thinks it's all political. He is ask- Jeff Sessions to fire Rod Rosenstein and Rod Rosenstein got up here because Sessions has recused himself and Rosenstein basically was saying, guess what, Mr. President, I'm in charge.
0: The defendants allegedly conducted what they called information warfare against the United States with the
2: stated goal of spreading distrust towards the candidates and the political system in general.
1: So what a Rosenstein detail. He told us that yes, the Russians were meddling in our 2016 election. They started in 2014, and what they were, what they did is just amazing. They a few of them came to this country, they traveled around, they looked, they learned about the American political scene, they met with political operatives. They uh, discovered which states they might be able to influence, like purple states, Virginia, Colorado, uh, and a few others. They um, looked into America, social media and how much people use social media and which ones they did. Uh, and they got a lot of ideas. So then they went back to St. Petersburg, where they were based. And they spent millions and millions of dollars on fake ads, mainly on Facebook. They organized rallies. They organized protests. They got, they got phony organizations. that got people to, to sign up for them. Uh, they, and, and they were all aimed at anti-Hillary by either supporting Bernie or Jill Stein, getting some groups behind that, or supporting Donald Trump in the primary, and also in the general election. Their stated goal was to, they said, you can go after, in their papers, they said go after anybody else, but don't go after Donald Trump because we like him and we want him to win and we support him. So the bottom line is, everything that Donald Trump said, what does he say? This was a witch hunt. No, it's not. It's for real. We know now who was doing it. He never even admitted Russia meddled in the election at all. Yes, they did. Now we know. He said it was a hoax invented by the Democrats to cover up for the fact that they lost the election. No, it wasn't. It was a real operation with real money and probably Kremlin support. And everything Donald Trump has said about it is a lie. And it's an ongoing investigation because now we know that the Russians in fact meddled in the 2016 election by the way, they—it's estimated that they reached with their ads 24 million Americans. Now, Rod Rosenstein doesn't say you can prove that these votes, these people voted for Trump because they saw a Russian-inspired ad. They don't have that connection. But if they reached 24 million people, and this election was only won by 77,000 votes, you know, damn well, that who knows how many, but a great chunk of votes for Donald Trump were delivered by the Russians. He did not win it on his own. You
2: know, I, I, I've always been a little skeptical, not skeptical, I don't want to say skeptical, but I've always thought, like, how did Russia have such a big hand in the election? And I, And I've questioned it a lot, and I read, actually, a guy on Reddit, of all places, who explained how he was duped by Russian propaganda. And he said he didn't vote for Donald Trump, but he also was just has been a Democrat, just kind of a knee-jerk Democrat. I just vote democratically. And he was in the military, and he's not someone who consumes the daily news cycle like like we do. And he said all of a sudden, he just started seeing all of these stories about Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton wants to kill net neutrality, which... He had acknowledged the irony and all of that. Uh, now that Donald Trump is the guy who actually did it. And Hillary is against this. And Hillary against, is against that. And a lot of them were fake news sites in retrospect. And he said, I finally just got to the point where I said, she's as bad as he is. And I'm not going to vote. Yeah. And so I... that that, to me, it was a really clear example of how this worked. It wasn't so much that you could take a lifelong Democrat or even an undecided voter and say, well, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump now because they made him look so good. But it just just sort of bred this whole air of it doesn't matter because they're the same person.
1: No, absolutely. I got an email yesterday from a friend of mine uh, up in Rhode Island who told about uh, members of his family, same thing. Uh, And he asked them, how could you vote for Trump? And what they cited Were some of these fake ads that they had seen on social media? They they directly and now they know that those ads were Russian paid ads and Russian inspired ads to help to help Donald Trump. So this is a blockbuster, devastating uh, indictment. And right away, Donald Trump says, "Oh, this vindicates everything I was saying." No, it doesn't. It it undermines. It contradicts everything Donald Trump has been saying about the Mueller investigation. Where he said it's a witch hunt, it's not. It was a hoax, it's not. And remember, this is Donald Trump who still has not acknowledged, let alone condemned. Of course, he hasn't condemned the Russians for doing this. He hasn't even acknowledged acknowledged they did that. So suddenly, this weekend, he's down in Florida, and he realizes, oh, everybody doesn't see it that way. I'm not getting across. What people are now saying is, this proves Donald Trump didn't win it on his own, and that has driven him crazy. That's why we had this tweet storm over the weekend, which are probably the worst tweets we've ever seen from Donald Trump. They a are, couple they of them? Are,
2: they are purely yeah. Trump, by the way. Oh, yeah. They are purely They're Pure
1: Trump. Trump. You know, John Kelly wasn't there. I don't know whether Sarah Huckabee said—he was on his own in Mar-a-Lago mm-hmm. tweeting a storm.
2: So this, this begins on Saturday night— Uh, he he tweeted about the school shooting and other stuff like that. He picks up Sunday night at 11.30 at night. General McMaster forgot to say that the results of the 2016 election were not impacted or changed by the Russians and that only collusion was between Russia and Crooked H, the DNC, and the Dems. Remember the dirty dossier, uranium speeches, emails of the Podesta Company.
1: He's got to go back to Crooked Hillary. By the way, he said that because his, the head of Homeland Security said that the evidence, in fact, we have that clip. He said this, uh, he was giving a speech in, in Europe somewhere, that there's just this proves there was
0: no doubt that it the FBI indictment, uh, the evidence is now really incontrovertible.
1: Yeah, in- that drove Trump crazy, incontrovertible. Right?
2: He, he went on to tweet, he woke up the next morning at 7 o'clock and started tweeting, uh, quote, I never said Russia did mm-hmm. not meddle in the election. I said, quote, it may be Russia or China or another country or group or it may be a four hundred pound genius sitting in bed and playing with his computer. End quote. The Russian hoax was that the Rush was that the Trump campaign never colluded with Russia. No.
1: It never did. did. The hoax that they colluded with Russia. Yeah. yeah it never did. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And by the way, we don't know that. Because that's that's where we are right now. We know the Russian we know without a doubt the Russians did this. We know who paid for it. We do not know who helped them. We do not know if anybody in the Trump campaign who helped them or who that might have been. That is still being investigated.
2: And then one final uh, Trump tweet from yesterday morning. (laughs) If it was the goal, all capital letters, if it was the goal of Russia to create discord, disruption and chaos within the U.S., then with all of the committee hearings, investigations and party hatred, They have succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. They are laughing their asses off in Moscow. Get smart, America.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. And remember, again, this is a Congress that, with two only, I think was two, was it two or five votes in the entire Congress against this, voted to level new sanctions, levy new sanctions against Russia for interfering in our election and Donald Trump. Trump refused to do it and said there's no need for that because Russia did nothing. So it may be true that he never said Russia did not meddle in the election, but he has not said that Russia did meddle in the election, nor he, has he condemned them for it. And so now we know the Russians did. Again, there are two actually two questions remaining. Did who in the Trump operation helped Russia? Number one. Number two... Did Donald Trump obstruct justice when he tried to shut down the investigation by firing James Comey? Those things are still under investigation. That's still to come. That is still to come. Robert Mueller is still on the job. And James Clapper, former head of national intelligence, said yesterday uh, the other the, that the, the, the other shoe is going to drop. And he said, interesting, he thinks the other shoe is not even is related, but it's Donald Trump's financial connections with the Russia that's going to ultimately uh, bring him down. Um, so it, um, it, it this was, again, anybody who said the Russian investigation is over, the Mueller investigation is over, anybody who said doesn't amount to anything, it's just a hoax, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, this thing is still very much underway and getting closer and closer to the Oval Office. By the way— <laughs> oh.
2: How many times have you been genuinely surprised by things that come out in the news in Washington D.C.? It's not very
1: often. Like people leak here. Uh, no, it's, here we go. And no idea this was coming. As
2: you said as many, it, many times, Robert Mueller, man,
1: he's the only man in Washington who can keep a secret. Yeah, yeah, right, absolutely. Um, and um, just fun final little uh, bit of news. Um, well, LeBron James. This yeah. was the weekend for the NBA All Star Weekend. All Star Weekend. And of course, that's the weekend that uh, Lar Ingram on Fox News decides to pick a fight with LeBron James because we know he has been critical of Donald Trump. And of course, he called Donald Trump a bum on uh, yes, Twitter, yes, yes, <laughs> which is the greatest. Right, right. He did, yes. But of course, on, in the Fox world, you're not allowed to do that. Uh Uh-uh, Laura Ingram says no. How dare he say anything critical about my president? This is what happens when you attempt to leave high school a year early to join the
4: NBA. Oh, and LeBron and Kevin, you're great players, but no one voted for you. Millions elected Trump Mm -hmm. to be their coach. So keep the political commentary to yourself, or as someone once said, shut up and dribble.
1: Uh, what a condescending racist remark. And by the way, who elected her to anything?
2: Yes. <laughs> exactly. Seriously. What do you mean? What's she talking
1: about? Someone has he doesn't also... have a right to say anything because he wasn't elected to anything? Right.
2: Who the hell is she? Right. Someone went through Seriously. and found all of the times that she tweeted support of Kurt Schilling
3: the baseball
2: oh. player who's a conservative mm-hmm. and how many times she came mm-hmm. out and defended him mm-hmm. and other conservative mm-hmm. athletes and said, you know, these people have a right to say what they want to say. Buh, buh, buh,
1: buh. Yeah, right.
2: But heaven forbid it be a black guy.
1: No, that's right. Uh, I just got to say um, LeBron wins this argument.
2: We will definitely not uh, shut up and dribble. <laughs> um, I would definitely not do that. I mean too much to you um, um, to society, I mean too much to the youth. I mean too much to the uh, to, to so many kids that feel like they don't have a um, they don't have a way out, and they need someone to help lead them out of the situation they're in. Um, also, wish you would have did a little bit more fact checking because I actually did finish <laughs> high school and didn't leave early. I graduated high school, and I get I get to sit up here and talk about social injustice, equality. And why a woman on a certain network decided to tell me to shut up and and dribble.
1: Oh, a woman on a certain uh, network. I'm sure
2: she'll issue an apology for getting that that wrong about him leaving high school early. Uh,
1: You also would be pleased to know, final point, uh, promise uh, that um, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu uh, has spoken out about the police investigation into uh, his uh, alleged bribery and fraud where they've said he should be indicted and charged with that. And the prime minister's response as he called it a witch hunt.
2: Oh, my God. I'm surprised they didn't
1: call it fake news. I wonder where he learned that. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Mm. Yeah, maybe Donnie gave him a call and said, hey, (laughs) hey, BB just called it a witch hunt. That's all. (laughs) God. All right. We've got to talk to Ryan 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 Riley next, rather from uh, HuffPost Senior Justice Reporter. Coming up next on the Bill Press Show.
0: Download our podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is the Bill
1: Press Show. And here we go on this uh, Monday, February 19th, uh, President's Day. So you know, if you uh, haven't found any hair of George Washington in any of your uh, books lately, uh, it happens. It does happen. Just happened last week. um, And by the way, there have been follow-up stories about that, that there is, there's a lot of hair of George Washington that's out there. He did did not wear a wig, as some people um, uh, surmised, right? He used to powder his hair, and people, even when he was alive, they were cutting off his hair, and then when he died, they cut off his hair, and they buried him, they cut off more hair, and...
2: I thought you were the only guy that did that, just randomly cut locks
1: of your hair and left them in books. But
2: hey, you know.
1: Well, I can't <laughs> offer you any of my hair, but I can offer you a copy of my latest book. <laughs> How's that for a transition? <laughs> okay. In fact, you heard me talk about it. It comes out uh, a month from now, March 20. But don't wait till then. You can get an advanced copy of my new book, From the Left Life in the Crossfire. For a great price, 40% off of sixteen seventy nine only for our listeners and our viewers, go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Follow the link. It's just uh, it's a story of uh, what I've been up to so far. Uh, a fun ride going from uh, some days studying for the priesthood. Changed my mind about that. No kidding. Uh, and then to California, working for Jerry Brown, chair of the California Democratic Party. Uh, Lots of fun stuff there. And then coming here to Washington with Crossfire Bob Novak and Pat Buchanan, Mary Madeline, Tucker Carlson, Tucker and I with Spin Room. Uh, And then our own show here and uh, hanging out with uh, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and, of course, the Bernie Sanders campaign. In fact, Bernie's got a great blurb right here on the cover. Go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Follow the link. Order your copy today. Now, back to the news of the day, and there's a lot of it joining us here Ryan Riley is the senior justice reporter for HuffPost. It's a day off, but he still came in today. I did, yeah. Hey, what a loyal friend. Thank yeah, you. Yeah,
3: never a day off on this beat these days. Either.
1: No, well, certainly <laughs> last week yep. was a, a full scale for your, uh, for, your, uh, for your beat. But let's start with, um, I want to talk about the Mueller indictment, of course. But the FBI, um, not looking so good when it comes to Parkland, Florida, huh? What happened?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that the the FBI came out and basically, you know, we, we know they got two tips now. They came out and said, you know, we had this tip and we should have acted on it. We don't know, you know, exactly. We're still investigating what exactly, um, you know, went wrong here. Um, so they got a tip yeah. to
1: the my um, to no to the local off like, look. The, and then went
3: to the Miami field office? So the that way it works thing? now is they have a national tip line, and everybody oh. calls in there. And, okay. like, it seems like what the problem is and what's going to come out of this is that it's, like, understaffed, the national tip line. Because this is a recent, reorga- you know, modern reorganization, right? Because it used to be if you called something, you know, you would call, like, the local – you know, field office or something like that. Now they go national and then they get distributed to the field offices. The problem is, is that you're dealing with a really high volume of a number of tips and sorting out, you know, sort of the wheat for the chaff is, like, really difficult there. And figuring out what exactly is a really, you know, tip that we should do a lot of work on, what tip is, you know, something we can sort of ignore is difficult there. Um, so I think that that's probably what's going to come out of this. This one, I don't know why they wouldn't have taken it, you know, seriously. I think there was a, a screw-up there. But yeah. – um, the details are still sort of... Did
1: it get from the hotline to the Miami field office?
3: Apparently, it never got to the Miami field office, which is a real you know, real issue there, for sure. Right, yeah. right.
1: Uh, now, of course, um, Donald Trump sees this, and he immediately connects the dots and said, if only they'd been paying more attention to Nicholas Cruz and less attention to me. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I'll save you. I mean, I don't want to get you in trouble, but... I mean, talk about the disgusting exploitation of that school shooting that he was trying to make there. There, let's just safely say there's no connection between the two.
3: There's no connection. Yeah, I mean, it's a talking point that he picked up from Fox News, which was running with it really quickly. Oh really? Yeah. So it appeared on Fox News. If only Robert
1: Mueller had been paying attention to this kid in Florida instead of Donald Trump, this wouldn't have happened.
3: I mean, the FBI has thirty-five thousand employees. The idea that they can't do two, you know, you know, yeah. Right. walk and chew gum at the same time. is sort of ridiculous. It wasn't even the same. It wasn't even remotely related. Also, I think that the initial tip came into... I think there was, you know, multiple tips, and one tip came what? into the... Uh, I think it was... It came into the Because it was the YouTube comment that was made, right, under his name. So I guess the local guy who complained about that is based in, I think, Mississippi, and that went to the Mississippi field office. And the idea that somehow, like, the Mississippi field office of the FBI is involved in this, like, grand conspiracy against Trump is... You know, nonsense I mean it's not a it's not a plausible or remotely credible argument
1: uh, let's just say there were a lot of missed clues here I guess right or mm-hmm. um, potential um, moments where somebody should have made, made it stop like we, we've seen in grade school mm-hmm. grade school teacher I mean it's uh, middle school teachers high school teachers all noticed things all said something that they, they were he he, he he saw a therapist I mean there are lots of people who's along the way who recognized this kid had some serious problems
3: yeah i mean i think the one thing that you have to and, there are a lot of failures ben, along the and
1: way, was you know. still able to buy an assault weapon
3: correct there's yeah, a let's lot of talk about that yeah there's a lot of failures along the way but i think that is the key issue right that he could like this could have been stopped if 18 year olds weren't allowed to buy you know weapons of mass destruction essentially like that's that's where the real issue is you're not allowed to buy a beer when you're 18 years old you know but you're allowed to buy this weapon. You can't can buy a, a handgun, but you can right.
1: buy an assault rifle. The, the superintendent of the schools down there uh, in uh, Broward County, uh, I've seen him several times, Robert Runcie, I guess his name is um, right, who, who, made, who made this point. Yeah, we might have slipped up, but still. Because if someone has mental health issues... Behavioral issues, all other types of concerns, and we do the greatest job that we possibly can. If they're still allowed to get a firearm, then where does that leave us? Yeah, where that leaves us is it contradicts everything that they might have been trying to do. I mean, what's interesting here, or could do,
3: even if they had suspected, like you would, the the argument that's made is like you know, even if this if this kid had had raised any issue with remote, you know, if he had been affiliated with ISIS at all, or like said anything remotely you know, Islamic oh, yeah. terrorism related, it would have set off a bunch of triggers within in the FBI. But Good I think point. that the Good point the, right I think that the thing that people lose um you know sort of vision of is the idea that even if that was true and he was being investigated for a crime of you know potential terrorism or being linked to terrorism, they still couldn't have prevented him from buying that weapon. There's been cases well, there where someone was under investigation by the FBI and were yeah, still yeah, able to right, buy a weapon. Right, which right. I mean, it raises a lot of you know certainly I think Second Amendment concerns. We don't want the government being able to just throw you on a list and you don't get. But that's the idea that that isn't even under up for debate. Like, okay, so what's the what's the reasonable restriction oh, no, 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 here no. if you're being but investigated?
1: When that bill, the saying, mm-hmm. "If you're on the no-fly list, yeah. you can't buy a gun," was in front of Congress, that was a, def- a people defense excuse excuse I should say people gave for voting against it, mm-hmm. which is well, they it made me a mistake. There, there maybe it didn't yeah. belong on that list, right? You know, so basically giving the benefit of the doubt to the terrorist, yeah, or alleged terrorist, right. uh, yeah. At any rate, so. With this kid, there were on his um, website or his face, whatever Facebook page, you know, he had pictures of assault weapons and guns and stuff like that, which some kids saw and thought, "Oh, this is trouble, mm-hmm. right?" I, I guess what I'm getting to is, I every time I take the train, I hear this: "If you see something, say something." Or every time I get the metro here in D.C., if you see something, say something. And it sounds so hokey, but it's really important, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is really important. I mean, it
1: does say a lot, when you think about it.
3: Yeah, I mean, it definitely. It, I mean, it could have prevented a tragedy here. I mean, and that's really what I think is going to be a major issue. This isn't, you know, I think that people are certainly <clears throat> taking political advantage of the situation, of this tragedy, but like, there was a failure at some point here. I think on both on the local level and on the federal level, there were multiple failures here to not take this seriously enough and be like, okay. I mean, even though he bought it a year uh, ago, like, why, if he had all yeah. these problems, he has a weapon. He said this before. We know he has weapons. He's saying all these things. What's going on?
1: But you know, and I think it's starting to seep through or penetrate through. My, just again, analytically, uh, anecdotally rather. <laughs> on my and my own experience, I was in train the other day, and somebody noticed that somebody had left the train. There was just a bag mm-hmm. on some on a seat. You know, people were suddenly like, "Oh my God!" You know, who left that bag? It could. You never know. It could yeah. have been a bag with Obama. You know, mm-hmm. I had, had, was buying something and just put my bag down and turned around. And I heard somebody say, "Oh, whose bag is that?" Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. Right. But so people are, yeah, picking up. Let's 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 hope so. Now the FBI also had a big day on Friday. Um, Rod Rosenstein announcing uh, that uh, the latest. Um, piece of Robert Mueller's investigation is the indictment of 13 Russians for meddling in the 2016 presidential election for the purpose of helping Donald Trump fact 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 right mm-hmm. I mean that's Right. So the idea that well, but
2: you mentioned something interesting because the Trump administration and Donald Trump Jr. and a lot of people jumped onto Twitter to say, oh, this doesn't implicate us at all. This just says that they were trying to meddle, but they didn't say which no, no, side no. they were trying to meddle for. No, it's not Stein, true.
1: Rosenstein said they were trying to. Yeah. You know, I, yes. I read the whole thing. They were trying to help. They were trying to hurt Hillary in the primary. And in the general, and they were help and helping Donald Trump in the primary and in the general.
3: Yeah, I mean, sort of what they've latched onto as like a defense, I suppose, is that they, you know, there are these rallies after the election. So doesn't even—it's kind of inconsequential. It's after the election took place, but they said, "Oh, they supported a pro-Trump rally, they supported an anti-Trump rally when they were just trying to ferment." Yeah, I mean, they were trying to undermine democracy, but Donald Trump was the vehicle they used to undermine democracy. Right, that was who they were yeah. supporting be, to undermine democracy because he was, you know, saying all these things and. They didn't like Hillary. Is
1: isn't not his real? What's driving him crazy about this is that the the idea that he didn't win the election on his own.
3: Absolutely. That's the, I mean that's all he seems to care about based on his tweets. Like the idea that anything you know what he said. What General McMaster's you know failed to mention was that oh. This also didn't have anything to do with, you know, me winning. I, I think Rosen, Rosen uh, Rosenstein did a smart move here. And what he did is he he put in a little detail in there that the Trump administration couldn't, like, latch onto. Like, he, sa- he basically said, oh, this wasn't alleged in the indictment, which is nonsense. It doesn't actually matter whether – like, it would have been ridiculous for the indictment to say this impacted the election, this affected yeah, the election, yeah. this swayed the election. That would be – that's a real – like, you can't even make that – how do you make that analysis? How do you specifically allege a fact that said – we know this many people's minds were changed based on this individual fact. You couldn't. Impossible. You couldn't. You couldn't isolate that fact. It would be crazy for them to put that in there and undermine the entire document. But Rosenstein can go out and be like, oh, it does not allege you know, specifically that it's... Yeah, obviously, it no one was suggesting it should have like suggested like, it should have alleged that. That would have been a crazy fact for them to allege. But there,
1: would you agree there is no doubt that some people voted for Donald Trump as a result of this Russian meddling,
3: yeah, I think that's. I mean, yeah, certainly some people.
1: Yeah, they, they reached what I, number I saw twenty four million people mm-hmm. that they estimate were impacted or saw these ads yeah. or you know that they or and got Mar- involved in some of these activities. Mm-hmm. Get, and this was an election that was decided by seventy thousand votes or seventy seven thousand votes, right? Right. Some of them had to be,
3: as a result of the Russian meddling. Yeah, I, I think mean, that's. I mean, certainly.
1: Doesn't mean Donald Trump didn't win, mm-hmm. but it means he had some help winning.
3: Right. The problem is it's going to be impossible to sort of say this is because like, right. you can't. How? Who? Who could? How? Even if you interviewed someone, they're not going to say that this is the ad that like yeah. swung them. If you elect, if you interviewed everyone and like, and also we don't know who voted for who. It's an you know the ballots you know anonymous. Okay.
1: So what do we know? Was it a hoax? No. Is it was it a witch hunt? No. Right. Mm-hmm. Was it? just invented by the democrats to make up for the fact they lost the election. No, yeah. the Russians actually did this. What we don't know is who helped them. Yeah. And whether anybody in the Trump campaign helped them. That's one aspect. And then we also don't know whether Donald Trump is guilty of obstructing justice when he fired James Comey to try to end the investigation.
3: Yeah. I mean, the fact that right?
1: the, So there's still there's still stuff that Mueller's looking at.
3: And there's a lot of, you know, even circumstantial evidence and, you know, i think damning evidence in a lot of ways that's out there already the idea that you know trump jr is meeting with a russian lawyer at trump tower who promised him dirt and then that they covered that up and said it was oh it was about you know adoptions i mean what Mm -hmm. he's admitted to in public and what he's said this is what happened is sort of is troubling for sure right um but, I mean, br- more broadly, I think what's amazing is the fact that none of this leaked out. I mean, that's a pretty tight ship that they're running over there, the special counsel's office.
1: Every time that—look, with Manafort, with Michael Flynn, with George Papadopoulos, for sure. Mm. Uh, who is the latest one? Um, well, this one. This, mm-hmm. this 13, every time we've said, one thing about Robert Mueller, he's the only guy in Washington who can keep a secret. Yeah, Nobody knew this was coming. Nope. Right? Not at all. And and look at all the people, and justice who were involved in this. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. What the the what the discipline that they've got over there. Yeah,
3: I mean, everything you can tell, everything that comes out about this news-wise, you can tell it's coming from the defense side. It's just like sort of obvious, like right, like it's like oh, okay, he switched lawyers, and you know, you can sort of read the tea leaves there. But there's been nothing – net, like the idea that thirteen Russian nationals were about to get indicted didn't leak. Yeah. All right, so what happens to these Russian nationals? I mean, nothing. I mean, <laughs> they're going to stay over in Russia. Like that's like, what they're not going to be extradited. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. I mean, they can, like so. The, the question I asked the FBI I was really curious about because they did this a few years ago with uh, some Chinese hackers with China.
1: I know. Yeah, right.
3: and they put out these nice little wanted posters. Like they put out like you know like <laughs> photos of them, and I was like, this is like what they got to do. But it's a special counsel, so I don't think it was the same sort of relationship with the FBI where like the FBI was so. And also, those indictments had been sealed for a while, whereas this indictment was just like put out it was literally happened on friday and came out on friday um so i think what we're gonna i don't know if we're gonna see those wanted posters um i think they would be compelling though i think that
1: you know yeah they but <laughs> but uh, but there's no way right now yeah. what do we know about these people and the firm that they were working for and any kremlin ties
3: i mean the firm is pretty i mean well established to be tied to the kremlin for sure i mean this was the idea that you know, Trump believed that, oh, Vladimir Putin told him that it wasn't him or yeah.
1: he has, he has yeah. said, I've on several occasions, I asked Vladimir Putin and Putin <laughs> says he didn't do it, and Trump yeah. says, and I believe Putin.
3: And you know KGB spies aren't known at all for lying. I mean that's no, not true. Oh no. Or misleading anyone. No. Yeah. He says he doesn't do it. He said he didn't do it. You know, what are you gonna do? Um yeah. I mean, yeah, the the Russian government is undoubtedly behind behind this. I don't think there's any there's no like Actual question about that at this point.
1: This would not, I mean, Russia being Russia, right? Mm-hmm. Particularly led by former KGB KGB spy Vladimir Putin. There's no way this could have happened at this scale without Putin himself knowing no. about it and and wanting it to happen.
3: And they're spending 1.2 million a year a per or sorry a month per yeah. month at the end of this thing, um, right. which just a lot of money. You know, this wasn't happening without you know Russian.
1: And can't we assume uh, that they're already doing so in twenty eighteen?
3: I think all the leaders of you know, except for Trump, everyone's in the government has pretty much acknowledged that they're doing this for this year. And I think the problem is is that there's no interest really in the top level of the government in Trump and really, you know, stopping this and there's been a lot of blame shifting and saying Obama should have done more. Legitimate question. Should he have done more? What could he have done differently? Uh, you know in the lead up to the election i think that the issue was and i haven't talked to any obama folks about this but i think that what their position would probably be is that they didn't want to get maybe you know in making the announcement more public and trying they tried to get that joint bipartisan statement with mcconnell right and he wasn't on board with it
1: right yeah
3: but i mean also you didn't want to come out and make it this, this partisan thing you didn't want to i guess you would call it pull a comey you didn't want to like you know Go one side, you know, say something bad about one side and not say something. By the way, I I think it's
1: a legitimate point that Barack Obama did not do enough about this. He did know about it, and Mm -hmm. it's reported that he didn't want to. he didn't want it to reflect badly on Hillary or something, whatever. If that, so I think
3: – or probably didn't want it to like look like the government was taking sides. And everyone yeah, thought yeah, Hillary right. was going to win. That's right. That's yeah. right. So everyone – like it was sort of the operation that Comey was working under. It was the operation that yeah. Obama was walking – You know, Hillary's going to win. So let's right. not – it was all about that afterthought because there's this yeah. – remember, Trump was calling into question already – result of the election he thought he was going to yeah. lose yeah. He, you know even when he lost the popular vote he still says oh it's all those illegal voters like just nonsense right so there's this idea that they were going to that everyone knew that you know probably everyone thought hillary's going to win and everyone knew that if hillary won that trump would immediately turn mm-hmm. to questioning the election right it
2: also gave donald trump the entrance to tweet about it which he did over the weekend finally little adam schiff the weakened yeah. monster of no control is now mm-hmm. blaming the obama administration for russia meddling in the 2016 election, he is finally right about yep. something. Obama was president, <laughs> knew of the threat, and did nothing. Thank you, Adam.
1: <laughs>
2: that is the, the tweet from Donald Trump.
1: Right. Yep. Um, by the way, uh, I, you're, t- you're talking about across the board. I mean, I think we've heard Republicans and Democrats on the Hill say, we got to do something to get—Russia did this. It was wrong. It undermines our democracy. We cannot just st- stand by or deny it the way Donald Trump has— Um, Matthew Dowd, um, former Bush political director, wasn't he, in in the Bush White House? I I forgot what his actual title was, but, yeah, he did work in the Bush White House. Right, right. Um, Now, with uh, ABC News, uh, summed it up yesterday uh, on this week, I thought uh, pretty well, at this point, what we know
0: and uh, where we go from here. We know, one, the election in 2016 was decided by a few thousand votes. We know, two, that the Russians massively interfered in that election. Three, we know that communications and campaigns matter, so it probably had some effect on voters. And four, I think what the president is feeling, which he should, is there's some question on the validity of election with all those facts in play. I think that's the facts as we know them. He needs to confront the fact that there was an election that the Russians interfered
3: with and speak
0: out on it.
1: Will he?
3: No. I mean, No. <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. I, no, there's been no There's no way. No. No way. Because I, th- I think that that's what he cares the most about. Like, you know, he really cares about that popular vote thing. He couldn't he couldn't um, allow for the fact that, you know, he won the Electoral College but not the popular mm-hmm. vote. He had to come up with some excuse for that. Yeah. And there's the same deal here where he has to come up with some excuse. I can't – like there's a way to do that and say, like, listen, like still keep some of your you know confidence in your bragging rights and say, listen, I pulled off a pretty extraordinary, you know, feat here. I mean you certainly did. Got a lot of votes, um, but some of those votes were probably swayed by this illegal interference in the in the uh, 2016 campaign by the Russians. Yeah. Um, so
1: now I want to ask you about um, the fact that the person who made this announcement on Friday was not Robert Mueller, and it certainly wasn't Jeff Sessions. It was Rod Rosenstein. Um, I thought his presence and his voice, just the fact that he did that, um, was hugely significant.
3: Yeah, I thought so, too. He's on the you know, he's in the line of fire. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. With Trump. And I think that what he did was smart politically. I think that he came. First of all, he you know, he gave the president a heads up about this. Yes. He briefed them in the morning. Briefed him came, in the head. Mm-hmm. Briefed him ahead. Of and time. then he comes out and he gives the president a little bit of like he gives him something to latch onto that doesn't actually mean anything. Right. That like, oh, there's no specific allegation allegation yeah, in right. this indictment, blah, blah, blah. Um which gives the president something to say and say, like, "Look, look, I can point at this," and it's sort of a distraction. It doesn't. It it should. It would have never been right. alleged in the indictment. Yeah, I mean, the one significant thing that wasn't alleged in the indictment is the idea that there wasn't you know U.S. person involvement. That's also we not that. In, that yeah. we but don't I know that. Yet.
1: Yeah, it was Rosenstein saying to the president, "Here I am, and I'm not going anywhere, and yeah. I'm in charge, and Robert Mueller is still." active, is still working, and here's what we got so far, and we're still on the case, yep. right? And you're going to have to deal with me, basically. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Makes it right? a lot
3: tougher for him to fire him.
1: Well, you've done your day's work for the day, uh, <laughs> for President's Day, Ryan Riley. Thanks so much for coming in. It's yep. HuffPost. HuffPost.com this More coming up. is the Bill Press Show. He didn't win it on his own. He did, in fact, have a little help from his friends in Russia. Hello, everybody. Monday, February 19th. Happy President's Day and welcome. Welcome to the program, The Bill Press Show, live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. With all the news of the day from our studio right here. On Capitol Hill, in the heart of the action. Of course, no action in Washington today because the House is out, the Senate is out. Uh, Donald Trump and the First Lady are uh, down at Mar-a-Lago, of course. Um, and, um, but we're here, uh, like many of you, working today on President's Day. Uh, Nowhere else we'd rather be. Not exactly. We wouldn't miss it. <laughs> uh, great to see you today. Thanks so much for joining us. By the way, and we've got lots and lots to talk about. Yes, indeed. Donald Trump still reeling from the announcement uh, on Friday of the indictment of 13 Russians for, in fact, trying to interfere. Uh, in fact, no, not trying, meddling in, interfering in our 2016 presidential election for the purpose of helping Donald Trump get elected. Uh, And uh, they certainly succeeded in that. Uh, He doesn't like it because it proves that he didn't win it on his own. And meanwhile, the students from Stoneman High School in Parkland, Florida, are saying we've had it with the politicians. We're not taking their excuses anymore. Enough is enough. We demand some action on gun safety. We've scheduled a march for March 24 in Washington to get the politicians to act. Lots and lots to talk about. We want to hear from you, your comments on the news of the day, at BP Show. Send us your comments on Twitter. But first...
0: This is the Full Court Press.
2: Just a couple of other stories making news. Now, this is fascinating because at the end of last week, there was a new... uh, Some new data released from Gallup and digital healthcare company Sharecare, which included 160,000 interviews from residents in all state about... Well-being, how you doing? How you feeling? How's your mental, physical, and financial health? And for, uh, the, fir- and for the first how time... How we doing? How are we doing? <laughs> well, we're not doing great. <laughs> for the first time on record, there was not a single state in America that saw an improvement in their residents' levels of overall well-being. Not one state said they're better off now than they were last year. Now, again... There's always one state yeah, that sees some yeah. tick up, right? That's never happened before that everybody was down, but this year everybody is down. And I get that. I get that. They say furthermore, quote, the twenty one U.S. Even the red states are down. Even the red states are down. Quote the twenty-one US states that saw their well-being drop in two thousand seventeen shattered the previous record set in two thousand nine. Amidst the Great Recession, remember yeah, that was yeah, going on then, yeah, right. 15 states had lower well-being than the year before. So this is like record-setting depression that we're
1: living through. Fake news.
2: <laughs> Fake news, of course. Of course. Uh, we talked earlier in the show about LeBron James versus Laura Ingraham. Well, LeBron James, uh, he fired back. We played the audio, but he fired back in an even bigger way because last night was the All-Star game. And Team LeBron won. Now, this is different. They usually do East versus the West. What they did is they picked captains, LeBron James and Steph Curry. Uh And they got to pick their team. Not only did LeBron's team win 148-145, to LeBron James was named MVP of the All-Star Game. He had 29 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists. So, um, so that is his take, third time winning the all-star so Game. So take that,
1: Lara Ingram.
2: Yeah, exactly. And one final story. Uh, yesterday morning, we were watching the slope-style skiing run at Pyeongchang when American Gus Kenworthy was about to go down the hill. He leaned over and he gave a kiss to his loved one, his boyfriend, Matt Wilkes, who was uh-huh. there to cheer him on. Now, we talked a lot about Adam Rippon. He was yeah, the first yeah. uh, out gay player uh, in the Olympics. Uh, No longer. Gus Kenworthy came out and uh, kissed his boyfriend before he went down. Good for him. And how'd he do? He did not do great.
0: (laughs) This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed.
1: Now we know Donald Trump did not win it on his own. He had a lot of help. He had a lot of help uh, from his friends. You know, you need a lot of help from your friends, as the Beatles said. Uh, his friends, the Russians. And he's not happy about that. He's not happy that we now know it. Hello, everybody. On a Monday, Monday, February 19, here we go. It is the Bill Press Show. Good to see you today. Thank you so much for joining us as we boom out to you live from, uh, from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and joining you all across this great country of ours, wherever you are, uh, on to online, on television, on the radio, we are there with you, and uh, so happy to join you today on this President's Day. Happy President's Day, uh, with the news from Washington, from Florida, from all around the country and around the globe. Uh, and your comments, always welcome, uh, on Twitter. Uh, at BP Show, at BP Show. As we join you again online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, looking at you on free speech TV and joining you uh, on the radio out in the greater Chicago area on the proud progressive voice of Chicago, WCPT. We uh, will be joined by Daniel Stone from the National Geographic uh, about uh, 20 minutes or so from now. Uh, with a new book out he's got about a guy who actually introduced almost everything you see in the produce section of your supermarket, fruits and vegetables, wouldn't be here without a man by the name of Daniel Fairchild. uh, David Fairchild, Daniel Stone, will tell us uh, all about it. Uh, Peter, we've been out for a while. Uh, Any comments so far? Yes, indeed. A couple of comments. We'll start with Twitter,
2: where Boston Gene says, I'm so hoping that Mueller is working from the outside in. Lordy, let there be P.P. tapes. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> uh, a little yes, mm-hmm. mishmash of uh, some of our favorite stuff there. Uh, Phil says that'll be
1: sort of like winning the
2: gold. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. If we actually get the P tape, uh, uh, yeah. Phil Phil <laughs> says so many shoes are dropping with the Mueller investigation that they looks like they're coming from a centipede. <laughs> uh, 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 Phil also says now remember, sometimes in a witch hunt. You actually find witches, which is pretty good. Uh, and also, don't forget... We- I do
1: think, just to interrupt, I do think it's very funny that Benjamin Netanyahu has called the police investigation in Israel, which has found him charges that alleges that he's guilty of bribery and other financial fraud, that he's calling it a witch hunt. Yeah. (laughs) He'll call it fake news tomorrow. Fake news,
2: yeah, exactly. Don't forget we are also on YouTube, youtube.com slash The (laughs) Bill Press Show, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. we got a chat room there where you can join in with your comments. Uh, From uh, Jockey says, Say what you will about Hillary, Bernie, Bill, or anybody else conspiracy with the enemy is treason
1: uh, mm-hmm. good, good point yeah, right and
2: jocelyn russell not yet
1: proven but if it is
2: right true uh, on the shooting in Florida, Jocelyn Russell says, "Does the Second Amendment include the right to every kind, of, every kind of arm ever invented? If you still have the right to a handgun, but not an assault rifle, don't you still have the right to bear arms? Which is the point you were saying before, right? Like, of course, this kid of course. could buy an AR-15, but couldn't buy a handgun because he wasn't old enough.
1: Yeah, and of course we've already we've already established that even those gun nuts, if you can call them that, that you can't have a machine gun, right?" So courts and everybody has has accepted there are certain limits and uh, the limit today is, is not drawn tightly enough because assault weapons are once again back in circulation.
2: You want a rifle to go shooting with your kids or grandkids or your father or father-in-law or go whatever, have go a ball. Right. right. You want to have a handgun in a concealed carry state, even though I don't agree with it, like we can have that conversation at least right there's no conversation there's no defense whatsoever for having a, an assault rifle
1: yeah um and, and by the way I uh, just want to a little shout out to Alexi McCammond uh, from uh, Axios for filling in on uh, Friday uh, my understanding is she did a great job and uh good good for her excellent job uh i uh, must say i was uh, up in Wilmington Delaware at my uh High school where I graduated from.
2: Oh, that's right. How'd so, that go?
1: So, Lazy Annum High School, teaching uh, four classes there, and um, you know, I probably saw I don't know in four classes uh, 120 students. Uh, any one of them is a better qualified to be president of the United States than Donald Trump. Um, I mean, they, that's maybe that's really a low saying, bar. That's not really that's saying much. <laughs> but uh, great kids, great students, uh, very very much uh, uh, up to date. On current politics, issues of the day, uh, they're getting a great education. It's a great school, and uh, it was really fun to uh, to visit with them and talk about the issues and uh, uh, issues uh, of the day. Not that we all agreed on everything, but it was a good spirited discussion. And let's start there with uh, this idea of the guns, because you know, as one who is passionate about the issue of gun safety and extremely frustrated and disappointed. Uh, in what I saw, and we all saw, yet again, uh, the response to the mass shooting uh, 17 killed in Parkland, Florida, last week, uh, it looked like this, again, was going to be after Sandy Hook, nothing, uh, after the Pulse Nightclub, nothing, after Virginia Tech, nothing, after Las Vegas, nothing. But this time, it, I thought it was going to be the same. It could be different. It looks like it may be different. And the reason is because you don't give any credit to uh, Democrats or Republicans on uh, on Capitol Hill, and don't give any credit to the cowardly uh, politicians from Florida, starting with a governor Rick Scott and their senator, senior senator. Uh, I, I think he is senior; he's been there longer. Marco Rubio, anyhow, Their senator Marco Rubio, Republican senator, uh, because they haven't they haven't said anything. Give credit. To the students of uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, who have said loud and clear ever since, and over the weekend they were speaking out on all the television channels, enough is enough. We are not going to sit here and listen to the politicians give their phony excuses all over again about now's not the time, it's too soon to think about this. We have to respect the Second Amendment. You know, um, people need assault weapons to defend their families or whatever BS excuse they come up with. Or we'll never define what is and what isn't an assault weapon. That's impossible, so we have to allow everybody to buy everything. These students have said, enough of that crap. We're not taking it anymore. We demand action. And they've gone so far as to organize a march on Washington, for gun safety on March the twenty fourth, uh, you know this this could be the million kids march. Uh, Absolutely, and I hope it is. And uh, I'll tell you one thing: I'm going to be out there marching uh, just as uh, enthusiastically as I was for the women's march on Washington a little over a year ago. Uh, many students have been speaking out. Almost, uh, I, I wouldn't say all of them, but many from um, from Parkland from um, the Douglas High School or Stoneman High School, I guess they call it. Um, the, here's one, Lauren Hogg, who is just 14 years old.
3: All these politicians are saying, oh, no, here, they're not ready. We don't need comfort. We need change. And that's the only way I know I'm going to heal, if things change.
1: Yes, if things change. And they've got the change. Uh, and she is joined by her fellow students and students all over the country if there's a march in Washington, there are going to be uh, marches all across the country that same day, uh, March 24. So find out one near you and sign up and get out there. This is the time that maybe, maybe this is the time that we can get Congress to move. Not all politicians have turned to deaf ear. Uh, Chuck Schumer, who's long been from New York, Senate Senate Democratic leader, has long been in the forefront of um uh, support for gun safety measures. Uh, he's glad to hear these students speak out.
0: I am glad the students are calling out politicians who have voted against these kinds of safety measures all along. Congress is paralyzed and that's because of the power of the NRA and the gun lobby.
1: Yep, no doubt about it. I mentioned earlier, uh, Donald Trump used to be for an assault weapons ban, a ban on assault weapons. Yep. Donald Trump used to be for a longer and meaningful and tougher background check. He is no longer, after the NRA spent $30 million to help him get elected, he went to the NRA convention after the election and said, I'm quoting almost exactly, you really came through for me, and I'm going to be there for you, 100%. So
2: far he has.
1: Owned, lock, stock, and barrel. And you know, what? the sad part about this is maybe, is that Donald Trump really has the potential to do—Donald Trump has the potential to do a Nixon in China on guns because he's got that base. He's got that NRA base, if you will, gun owner base. He's got that conservative base for sure. Uh, and he sees what happened in Florida. He knows it doesn't make sense. He knows that kids should never have been able to buy an assault weapon. Donald Trump is one guy, more so than Barack Obama who might be able to get enough votes, who could, if he really went after it, really did, he could get enough votes in Congress to get this gun safety legislation passed. I don't think he's got it in him to try. I he, really don't. And I, I, as I sit here, I hope he surprises us, and I'll be the first to give him credit if he does. But I don't expect it.
2: How many people has he made a fool out of by making them go out and change their opinion— and change their public statements on a number of issues, right? Yeah. Like, we know who his base is, right? When we talk about his base, we talk about guys like uh, Jerry Falwell Jr.
1: or Franklin Graham, who— I'm thinking of the—not the the country western state, but the, you know— Damn, Charles—okay, go ahead. Charlie Daniels? Yeah, (laughs) Charlie Daniels, yeah, well, he's
2: one of them. But, I mean, look, the, these are guys who will go along with whatever Donald Trump
1: says. Yeah, yes,
2: yes. Like, they have a, a, right. a history of that. Right. Right? And so if he comes out and he says, I mean, look, he came out and said, adultery is fine, essentially. Right? Like, I'm going to have sex with a porn star after I've been married for less than mm-hmm. a year. And, and the guys came over. And that happened before he was president. How can we hold that against him? Right? So if he came out and said, I think we should get rid of assault weapons, they'll all line up. They'll all line up, and it will not be an issue for him to have to deal right. with.
1: No, he could do it. I don't think he will. But again, uh, there are, I think, more and more politicians starting to to say, maybe you know, maybe it this is an a time to- enough is enough time. Uh, not all of them. Uh, I just want to play a quick bite. Here's a congressman, Republican congressman from Florida, who basically is saying uh, these kids don't know what they're talking about.
4: Obviously, uh, these are young people who uh, are very frustrated and obviously in deep pain uh, because of what happened. There's one person who has blood on their
0: hands, and it's the perpetrator.
1: Yeah, how condescending. Obviously, these kids don't know what they're talking about. That was Carlos Corbello, Republican from Florida, by the way. Uh, How about a Republican uh, taking a little different tone? John Kasich, governor of Ohio, soon-to-be former governor of Ohio, uh, who ran, of course, for president in 2016, and May May certainly is thinking about challenging Donald Trump in the primary in 2020.
0: He said yesterday, Republicans got to get off their ass. If you're a strong Second Amendment person, you need to you need to to slow down and take a look at reasonable things that can be done to answer these ch- these young people. I love it. He said, "Yeah,
1: slow down, dudes. Right? Think about the Second Amendment. It doesn't mean everybody has to have." a battlefield weapon in their home or, uh, at, or can walk into a store and walk out 20 minutes later with uh, having bought one of them. Uh, in fact, he said, I, I put that point to a friend of his yesterday, a gun collector.
0: I was talking to a friend of mine this morning. He's a big gun collector. I said, if all of a sudden you couldn't buy an AR-15, what would you lose? Would you feel as though your Second Amendment rights would be eroded because you couldn't buy a god darn AR-15? <laughs> I love the self at it. God, darn.
1: He, turned god into
2: darn. he turned into Yosemite Sam all of a sudden. <laughs> Concern it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyhow, I I I, I was re- going into the weekend. I was really bummed and depressed about about the response again uh, to this mass shooting in Florida. I'm starting to feel, God forbid, I'd fall down this again. I'm the eternal optimist. I'm just starting to feel a little hopeful that this time could be different. And again, if it does, if it turns out to be different, it's because of these high school students uh, from, from Parkland, Florida, and other millions of high school students around the country. This could be the moment. The time is now, so I hope people really rally behind this. Uh, and the way to do it is start out with a huge turnout. Uh, on March 24, and again, let's just review. You know what we're talking about: ban on assault weapons. These are the five things that are that are talked about. All reasonable ban on assault weapons, which we had for 10 years, signed by Bill Clinton, expired under George W. Bush, never renewed it. Barack Obama never renewed it. And by the way, that idea about well, we can't define what is and wasn't, uh, what isn't an assault weapon That's BS. We did that then. Take that. Now things, more guns have been developed, right? You may have to update it, but I'd be happy just taking that definition that we had back then, that expired in nineteen in two thousand and four. Go with that. Ban on assault weapons. Ban on the on the multiple magazines that you can buy for those for any assault weapon. Reasonable. Ban cop killer bullets. Bullets. Reasonable. Say the people who are on the no fly list. Cannot buy a gun. My God, if that's not reasonable, I don't know what is? And then finally, close the gun show loophole, and have a real, meaningful, tougher background check for every gun. Uh, those five things. I don't, I, seriously, I don't even know how the NRA, most NRA members, would support most of those things. By the way, I don't know how the NRA even could oppose that.
2: I, I would use John Kasich's question. You look at all those things which have been done before. Yeah. Does anybody, anybody, any Second Amendment uh, voters out there, do they feel like their Second Amendment rights were eroded by those?
1: Yeah. Or do you feel your Second Amendment rights are eroded because you can't have a Sherman tank? Right. Or a machine gun? Those are arms. I have the right to bear those. In your front yard? Right. I mean, to what extent? There have to be some limits. Um, So um, this could be the moment. This could be the moment. And I think, uh, in a sense, it's up to us to seize the moment and, uh, and, 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 and make it happen.
2: It's, as you mentioned, you're an eternal optimist. I'm sort of an eternal pessimist. Yeah. And, and, and I did, and I have for a while, especially since Sandy Hook, had that thought. Like, if it didn't happen after Sandy Hook, I don't know what it is. But, you know, I was thinking about this. My parents, they didn't ever really have to worry about gun violence when I was in school. Right. Um, Kids today have grown up in the world after Columbine, which was 20 years ago. They've grown up in a world after Sandy Hook, which was a little over five years ago. Uh, And these kids that are 14 years old, this, this is still fresh to them. And at some point, we have to look our kids in the eye and say, like, we didn't do anything. Yeah. We knew this was a problem and we didn't do anything. And I'm not excusing the people who didn't do anything before, but like I can understand how, if it wasn't a problem when you had kids that were coming up, it wasn't on your radar, right? But like I, as a parent, other like people who are parents of kids that are older than mine, like teenagers and like 14, 15, 16, like they've all come up knowing that this could happen at any given and, moment and, and it what, does happen.
1: And what I find depressing is, and, and but it's a reality is in Many, many high schools, not all high schools yet, but many, many high schools today, and middle schools and even elementary. I know elementary schools, because it's happened to, uh, it's, it's true of uh, our grandkids, that they are having mass shooting, killer drills in their school. What to happen if somebody comes into their school uh, and starts firing away. And the one thing I, I learned that, uh, that the first thing they tell people is it's never firecrackers. Yeah. It is never. If, if you hear pop, pop, pop in your school, it is never firecrackers.
2: Yeah, it's true. And, and like, look, I, I'm all for safety in schools, right? But if you visited a school recently, they are turning into prisons, right? And, I and again, I believe that they should be fairly well yeah. fortified. Not anybody should just be able to walk into a school. But I remember when I just walk into the front desk. Oh. I'm here to pick up my child. They ring for the child. They bring him up, and then we go to yeah. his doctor's appointment or whatever. Right now, yeah. no. you cannot open the front door unless you right. buzz and have a facial like they, right. a, yeah. a conversation with somebody. Then they buzz you in. Then you go into the office. You have to go through a metal detector. They have bulletproof glass all around the office. right? So you have to go through multiple levels of security just to get into the school.
1: So there we are. Uh again, it's starting with the high school students in Parkland, Florida. Let's hope that it helps. I uh, just got to touch briefly on, we talked a lot about it, and I'm sure you heard a lot about it over the weekend, the uh, stunning announcement by Deputy Attorney General Robert uh, Rob, Rod Rosenstein on Friday. Uh, the latest shoe to drop from the Robert Mueller uh, investigation, who uh, conclusively, states conclusively, without a doubt, they've got the evidence that Russia... The Russians did indeed interfere, meddle in the 2016 presidential election. They did so for the purpose of helping Donald Trump get elected. Uh, There were 13 of them so indicted. Uh, They started in 2014. They came to this country. They found out where they could be most effective, how they could be most effective, what social media outlets that they should uh, mainly rely on. That turned out to be above all others. Facebook, uh, and they spent $1.2 million a month reaching, uh, with ads and uh, phony events and phony associations, uh, reaching some 24 million Americans, which definitely had an impact on the 2016 election, which proves that, in fact, Donald Trump did not win it on his own. Uh, Trump, of course, tweeting out in a tweet storm over the weekend, blaming everybody but himself, saying, once again, this vindicated everything he said about the uh, Russian investigation. No, it doesn't. It contradicts everything he said about the Russian investigation. He has called it a hoax. We now know it wasn't. He has called it fake news. We now know it wasn't. He has called it a witch hunt. We now know it wasn't. Uh, So uh, on and on and on. And he said there was no collusion. Well, that's the one thing we don't know yet. Now we know the Russians did it, why they did it, how they did it. What we don't know yet is who, if anybody, in the Trump campaign was helping them out, namely collusion. And we also don't know whether when he fired uh, James Comey, or when he fabricated a lie about the meeting that his son held at Trump Tower with the Russians who showed up promising dirt on Hillary, we don't know whether through those two actions and maybe others, Donald Trump actually obstructed justice. That is still the focus of the Mueller investigation, and if anything, we learned Friday, we learned that the Mueller investigation is uh, in high gear uh, and it ain't going away and it's not about to shut down so th- there will be other shoes to drop and you know what, about with, with Robert Mueller one thing we've learned we have no idea when the next shoe is going to drop and we have no idea what it's going to be uh, Robert Mueller has, is running a tight a tough and a tight ship uh, and there's no way it's going to stop and no way you can interfere with it so uh, get ready Donald Trump <laughs> <laughs> because it ain't over yet. Uh-uh.
2: And it's and it's it's just going to keep going. Right. And you can't just ignore it and you can't just say this isn't real. It's it's just it's going to keep going whether you like it or not.
1: Right. So on this president's day before we take a quick break, one more reminder. Uh, do yourself a favor uh, for yourself and uh any friends of yours. Uh, my new book from the left, Life in the Crossfire comes out just a month from now March 20 but you can order your advance copy signed copy uh, if you go to our website billpressshow.com for our listeners and our viewers we're offering a special 40% discount that gets the book down to 16.79 it's all about a lot of the fun experiences that I've had in California here in Washington on national television on CNN on MSNBC back working for Jerry Brown goes all the way up to the Bernie Sanders campaign which you know I was very much a part of. Uh, and in fact, Bernie Sanders, kind enough to put a little uh, endorsement on the front, he calls it, quote, the tale of an engaged and often outraged citizen who loves his country, that's me, and wants to see it move forward in a progressive direction. Thank you, uh, Bernie. Uh, plugs on the back from our good friend uh, uh, Cenk Yuger at uh, TYT, Young Turks Network. We're all part of that. And also endorsements from on the left: Nancy Pelosi, Jerry Brown, Rosa DeLauro, Congresswoman, and Congresswoman Maxine Waters, and on the right from Tucker Carlson, Joe Scarborough, and believe it or not, Ann Coulter. Ah. That's act, enough.
2: Act now, and Bill will throw in a lock of his own hair.
1: I, that's it, yes. <laughs> the first 100 people get a—the first 200 get a lock of my own hair, right. <laughs> All right, so there it is. Go to BillPressShow.com. And speaking of great books, one, another one coming out tomorrow. Think about this. Just about everything you see in the produce department of your supermarket grocery store— is thanks to a man you never heard of, but you want to know about, called David Fairchild, including kale. I hate him. Daniel Stone, author of The, the Food Explorer, coming up next.
0: This is The Bill Press Show.
1: Hey, happy President's Day. Uh, here we go. Wrapping up on this Monday, February 19. Again, great to have you with us today, wherever you are in this great land of ours. Thank you for joining us. Online, on television, and on the radio, we reach out to you from uh, our studio on Capitol Hill uh, in Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day. And we've talked a lot about the uh, renewed move for uh, gun safety measures, uh, thanks to the uh, student body uh, of uh, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, the scene of that uh, mass shooting and that tragedy last week. And we've talked a lot about the latest news from the Robert Mueller investigation, saying definitely uh, the Russians did meddle in this election for the purpose of helping get Donald Trump elected. Uh, They certainly succeeded in that. Uh, That's the latest in the Mueller investigation, but far from uh, the end of it. And it sort of belies and proves that everything Donald Trump was saying about this Russian investigation as a hoax or a witch hunt is, uh, in fact, fake news, and dead wrong. Uh, Changing topics now. What about all the fruits and vegetables you see in your grocery store? You wonder how they got there, where they came from. Daniel Stone, our good friend of National Geographic. Daniel, it's nice to see you. Great to be with you. Thanks. Thanks for coming in. Tomorrow, his new book comes out called The Food Explorer. Uh, Isn't a beautiful book? That's a good-looking really book, man. Book book, yeah. yeah. Congratulations. I only wrote the words, but they did a terrific <laughs> job on the cover. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it's all about a man you discovered by name of David. Well, you didn't really discover him. But you're, you, for us, you have discovered David Fairchild. Who was he? David Fairchild,
4: a man of the late 19th century uh, who, at the turn of the 20th century, traveled the world on assignment for the United States government, He was a food spy, an adventurer botanist, who traveled to more than 50 countries to find exotic crops that did not exist here in America to bring them back. Some of them are lemons, avocados, mangoes, uh, dates, seedless grapes, and kale, which I know you
1: love. Uh, I have a particular distaste for kale, (laughs) I must say. Uh, But those uh, are—we don't think about— um, where these f- fu- f- fruits and vegetables come from. I um, mean, like on that list, these are just things that we, you pick them up and you just take for granted, right? Yeah. But they, what you're saying is they would not be here had he not f- discovered them somewhere and introduced them, yeah. But, now, you called him a spy. He was a spy. He
4: was an agent of the government, of the USDA, and the reason his work was so important is at that time in American history, farmers were such a huge portion of the economy, of the labor force. And they were all growing a lot of the same things, a lot of wheat, a lot of corn, apples, tomatoes, but that was pretty much in cotton in the South. Um, And the economy entered its first agricultural depression in the 1890s. And Fairchild saw this moment, and the USDA saw this moment, to diversify the American food system, to have farmers growing far more foods, in far more places and introduce them to new markets where people would eat new things from around the world. You know, it's important to, to mention almost none of what we eat is from North America. It, apples are from Kazakhstan, right? Bananas are from New Guinea. Grapes from from Central Europe. Uh, even the, the most, the most what central. What is from I North gonna America? I was going to ask, what,
2: what's, what's a North American crop?
4: Uh, some varieties of tomatoes and some varieties of strawberries and sunflowers. That's that's pretty much the list. Okay, so
2: out of the summer, we're screwed if we want to eat like locally and seasonally.
1: Yeah, almost nothing comes from here. I thought sunflowers came from the Ukraine. No. Nope. So, I mean, sunflowers. the sunflower fields I saw in the Ukraine were endless, right? Maybe we but
2: exported those.
1: Maybe well, we did. We did, the same way
4: we imported almost everything else from, <laughs> from Europe, uh, Asia. and. But I thought you were going to say corn. Corn is from northern South America and Central America, so it, it Mexico, counts. right? Yeah, right. It, right. it certainly counts. And because but we're all on the same continent, corn got here a lot earlier than the things from the eastern hemisphere.
1: Right. So how did um, Fairchild know that these crops would grow here, even? In some case, it was experimentation, not knowing.
4: But he was very focused on... I mean, cl- there's some
1: tropical plants, right? right which... Even in Florida, might he not. was
4: focused on climates, right? A climate like Baghdad, which he went to in 1902 to get dates, is very similar to the climate of Southern California, right? That's why dates are now and had been one of the great crops of like the Coachella Valley in uh, in Palm Springs area, right? Oh yeah, yeah. When you think about I don't citrus, know they
1: still are. But I remember going yeah, out there. They certainly there still grow them there. Date uh, stands all over the sure. place.
4: Sure, all well. citrus, oranges. Grapefruits, lemons, limes—all of it comes from China, right? And and pretty trop subtropical China, which is very similar to Florida, right? That's where we get Florida oranges, oranges, grapefruits, really. Right. Southern Southern California, the orange groves yeah, of Los right, Angeles, right. right? But they originally Used came to from be. China, <laughs> yeah. Right. So he he mirrored the climates of where these things grew, and he really traveled a lot in the tropics and regretted that we didn't really have much tropical
1: land in the U.S. and still don't. Yeah. What were the uh, what were the like biggest cro- uh, products that he brought, brought? The ones that are the most popular or the most the avocado, hands avocado. down. Yeah,
4: he picked up uh, what he called alligator pears. That was his shorthand for them in uh, Central America, but mainly the one that we have today, the Haas, is a, is uh, an offshoot of the one he picked up in Chile in eighteen ninety nine. Uh, so the he picked that up. It gets distributed to American farmers, and about 30 years later, after experimentation and planting and hybridizing, uh, Rudolf Haas, who was a, a postal worker in Southern California, develops and patents the Haas
1: avocado. And that's and that's the one that we we have today. And that's it. Where yeah. would we be without avocado? <laughs> I know, right? I'll tell you one thing: Carol's award-winning guacamole right. would not be uh, <laughs> that's right. available that's without. Right. The, right. It's nice
2: to know the backstory <laughs> where,
1: came,
2: where the avocados came from.
1: Now we know, right? And kale came from? Croatia. Could we send it back? <laughs>
4: <laughs> For most of its history, kale was the food of peasants. It was peasants. served
1: Croatia right.
4: Yeah. It was not a fancy food. It grew extremely easily in cold weather, in salty soil. It was extremely easy to grow. It was very difficult to stop it from growing. And it was only in like the late 1980s and 1990s where medical research started to reveal this stuff's really good for you, right, in terms of protein and vitamins. And and then uh, the marketing campaign's kind of caught up, and that's why we have this kale moment now. Kale, quinoa, avocados, the research and the marketing
1: catch up in a way they have in the past decade. I know. I'm part of the resistance. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, to me, that's the resistance. Yeah, that's nothing Kids eat do, your vegetables. Nothing to do with Donald Trump, but that's all about kale. <laughs> right. It did, no, I mean, suddenly, nobody ever heard of kale, right? Right. For most well, of kale's up, history though, I mean, you know, in the 20th- of my life, never heard of kale. And then suddenly, you can't. It's everywhere, yeah. right? Most of
4: the 20th century, kale was used as decoration for salad bars- in buffets, right? You, you, you yeah, can picture right, it. The food's right. in the middle, yeah. the ice, and there's that green foliage around it. Most of the kale imports and the kale growing was for that. And only now have we started growing a lot more to actually uh,
1: The Meyer lemon?
4: The Meyer lemon was an acquisition of Fairchild's, David Fairchild's protege, a man named Frank Meyer, who in 1905 was hired by the U.S. government to literally walk across China. And he spent... More than 10 years in China walking across the entire continent to find exotic crops. And he brought in thousands of varieties of of soybeans, of types of nuts that did not exist here, new types of berries. And hanging in one older woman's doorway was a natural hybrid, which is pretty rare, of a lemon and an orange mixed. So it was a sweeter type of lemon and he brought that in, and that's what became the Meyer lemon, which is now a favorite of people like Martha Stewart and Alice Waters. Yeah, um, yeah. who 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 like the the sweeter, less acidic taste of the Meyer lemon.
1: Right. So, um, if you um, get your Meyer lemon or your avocado next time you pick one up, or seedless grapes, right, you can thank uh, Daniel David Fairchild for bringing them here. And you can thank Daniel Stone. Again, the book is The Food Explorer. It's available now. It comes out officially tomorrow. Um, you find it where all good books are sold, at your local independent bookstore or on amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. Uh, and Daniel Stone tells us the story. So what, I've got, I want to come back to this spy. To me, the idea that the Department of Agriculture, <laughs> you think of spies, you think of the CIA. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, or maybe the State Department, but not the Department. Or the, the White Depa- House. The White <laughs> House but the Department of Agriculture? Well, the core function of a spy is to
4: acquire strategic secrets, right? And when so much of the economy is uh, based on agriculture, strategic secrets could be a new crop that could yield a million-dollar new industry, right? So yeah, when right. – and I'll give you an example. Fairchild uh, was sent to Bavaria in 1902 to try to acquire hops for beer american beer was very weak in those days and germany was brewing the best beer in the world and had been for a long time growing the best hops fairchild was sent over to bavaria to befriend these farmers and try to acquire their hops they knew that their hops were the best in the world they didn't want anyone taking them they had hired young men to guard the fields at night and Fairchild buttered them up essentially, and drank with them every night in the beer hall to try to acquire their hops, which he eventually did. <laughs> Brings That's them amazing. back to the U.S. Yeah. Uh, and those hops helped boost the American beer growing industry at a time when we didn't have when when the beer brewers of of Milwaukee, right? You know which ones right. I'm talking about. Uh, are Mm-mm. just growing. And and that really <laughs> boosted them in a way that made them sustainable. Look
2: at what the beers, the the, the beer uh, industry is here in America now. Oh, yeah, the
1: craft beers and all of that. It's amazing. gigantic. Yeah, right. But um, so, do we have food spies today? We have multinational companies that
4: do similar work, right? So Does the, the government, have the government, food spies? the government still acquires plants. There are still many, many plants out there that are untested, undiscovered, but. When you think about your supermarket, what's in there are really the fruits and vegetables that have withstood the tests, right? They they grow fast. They have thick peels or they ship long distances. They have long shelf lives. They could be grown uniform. I'm talking about bananas, right, that come from the tropics uh, or apples that can be shipped from California, berries, um, all citrus, which has these thick peels, right, and generally grows pretty easily and pretty uniform. When you think of, you know, there are, there are millions of fruits in the world. Why do we only have 20 to 30 in our markets? It's because of that. Those have the strongest resumes.
1: Okay. Uh, so you say there are companies that, that are out there, they're, and they're developing, I'm sure, new products and new plants, right? Sure. So at the time that Fairchild was out there um, roaming around the world, globe-trotting, as you say, um, was this legal? That's a good question. It was,
4: and it wasn't. This had never been done before, so right. there wasn't an international law so could he about just
1: it. load a suitcase with plants from like another country and and come back here and nobody would say anything. <laughs> it depends where and in one of the first scenes in the
4: book, he actually goes to acquire citrons. Citrons are a relative of lemons in corsica in uh in the Mediterranean, which had yeah, grown the yeah. best ones. And he's very bad at this work. He's just starting. He's a young man. And he gets arrested instantly, right? They think he's a spy, which he is. Because he has
1: a suitcase of lemons?
4: He has a suitcase, and he's there to acquire something, and and he can't really speak French. And so he's kind of this bumbling American who—so he gets arrested. He gets interrogated. He makes clear that his mission is not to acquire military secrets. And he is allowed to leave, and eventually he acquires the citron sticks, the buds from the tree— He sticks them into potatoes to keep them uh, fed, essentially wet, moisturized on the the journey back to the U.S. And from then, he gets a little better. But depending on where he went, people were openly hostile or very diplomatic, right? The open exchange of seeds and and knowledge versus, like in Germany, understanding that America having these strategic assets could pose a threat
1: to the beer growers of Germany. Okay, but- Uh, And we have to realize, at that time, uh, it wasn't easy to get stuff back here. I mean, today, you could steal a fig from, I don't know, somewhere in Italy, right, or wherever they grow, grow, and have it here by the end of the day.
4: Yeah, Fairchild had a lot of challenge with how to pack these things. Potatoes were one of them. He'd pack them on damp uh, peat moss. Sometimes he'd, he'd coat the seeds in clay that would harden and keep them... Uh, from molding over. But, yeah, some of these ships would take a month or two months, even from Europe or from Asia, to get back to the U.S. How do you keep a seed alive? And it wasn't easy. A lot of them died. I think we, we are the beneficiaries of the ones that survived.
1: Right. Um, so in if, when you look at, walking in Trader Joe's right across the street here, I don't know, you go to the Giant or you go to Whole Foods, how many of those fruits and vegetables that you see there are grown in this are gr- now grown in this country, or uh, versus how many are flown in or shipped in? A from? few
4: of them are still grown here, mainly the berries. Berries can't ship very long distances, so a lot of them are grown in California, um, some in Virginia or Pennsylvania, or Mexico, right? But when you think of citrus, a lot more of our citrus is being grown in Central and South America versus Florida or California, right? Uh, bananas are have always been grown in Ecuador, Costa Rica. Same with pineapples. There aren't many places in the U.S. other than Florida or Hawaii that can grow mangoes. And Hawaii, which is one of our most tropical places in this country, is just not big enough, and it's really far.
1: So when you think of coffee, most of our coffee comes from— Well, I'm getting to this whole question about um, energy efficiency and how um, much—and climate change and the fossil fuels that that we're—
2: yeah, you might not be able to grow mangoes in D.C. right now, but you right. might be able to in a
1: couple of years. Well, that's that true. I was That's that, that, that true. I wasn't going in that direction. I was just talking about how much energy we're wasting now or spending now or whatever to bring these plants in so that we have them year-round. Right. Food, right.
4: food is very much a function of economics, right? Where is it most cost-effective to grow these things? And usually now it's not in the U.S. anymore. It's in countries that... Have more land available, or are willing to tax their land a lot more, um, and so we import a lot of things thousands of miles, which is just one of the shifts of of globalized agriculture. Right.
1: I mean, uh, you mentioned uh, Alice Waters, the great uh, chef and great restaurateur. Her place, Chez Panisse, in in Berkeley, one of the greatest restaurants in the glo- on the on the planet. Um, As a friend of mine, and um, she told me, for example, at Chez Panisse they only serve tomatoes three months out of the year Mm -hmm. because that's the only only three months that she can buy tomatoes that are grown in California within, let's say, 50 miles of her restaurant. Otherwise, she will not have a tomato in her restaurant. Now, if we all live by those rules the fruits and vegetables available in our markets would be vastly different very and limited, right? Yeah. Seasonal um, and and probably very expensive. God forbid, seasonal.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Expensive, inaccessible. If Alice Waters could get tomatoes, there are a lot of parts of this country that just wouldn't have tomatoes, right? But even when I was a kid, which wasn't even that long ago, that, you know, there were seasonalities of things. Now you have you have pineapples right. and mangoes all year round. Right. You have berries that come from different parts of the world all year round. That's part some of the globalization that comes as a result of globalized ag.
1: The only thing I'm I thinking of that's seasonal, Peter, Voy in here? You're more of a foodie than that. like apples. You know, there's a, definitely an the apple season mm-hmm. here at the Eastern Market. Right. right in the fall. In the fall.
2: Tomatoes for sure. I know there are a lot of people, present company included, they will not eat tomatoes out of season. I won't eat tomatoes out of season. Never will. Unless it's tomato uh, I'm just sauce. I was thinking also
1: of the good sweet corn from um, from the Eastern Shore. I mean, yeah. there's a season for that. That's just the summer. The corn in the winter, we wouldn't buy corn in the winter. I would I don't wonder know where it would come from. But. Yeah,
4: right. If, if you had a middle school or a high school student or Peter, your kids, sure. uh, if they even know when tomato season is or when apple season is. My
2: kids do because, I mean, look, I, I do think that there's something special about, like, look, when it's tomato season, right? We have tomato sandwiches. We have tomatoes on everything, right? Like all throughout the summer. And then when they're gone, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And then we can think about them, and we can build up that appetite again for when they come back around, and then we just eat them constantly again.
1: Peaches also, I'm just Peaches
2: thinking. are a great example. There's nothing yeah. better than a peach when they're in season. True. When they're out of season, they, they just don't taste as good.
1: I don't even see them in markets out of season. Maybe, I'm just not looking. You can
2: find them in big supermarkets. You can find anything. It's like Dan was saying. I mean, you can go in there and get a pineapple right now. You could go in there and you can yeah. get anything you want. You could get corn right now. Yeah. And it's, it, I mean, I don't, it's, it, I don't want to say it's disgusting, but it's definitely yeah. not as good as what you can eat when it's in season.
1: Again, the book is The Food Explorer. Do you have a website where people can find out more about it? I know there's a great review in the Wash, uh, Wal- I'm sorry, Wall Street Journal this weekend, which I read. The website is DanielStoneBooks.com. All right. Yeah. Daniel Stone, notice it's books plural. Plural, there, yeah. There <laughs> Already working more, on a follow-up. There are more books in your yeah. future. Book was taken, so. Well, By the way, uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, DanielStoneBooks.com, and you can read all about it, but the most important thing is buy the book, uh, food, The Food Explorer.
2: If I can make sort of a ham-fisted point here, sure. which is
1: something I'm very good
2: at doing. Uh, as you said, there are so few native... American or North American, specifically American, crops that you that you talk about, like, for all this American pride and America first and all this stuff, and like, it's a very, very, if you look through the long scope of history, right, like, everything that
4: makes this country great,
2: we got from somewhere else.
4: Our food our food included. Our food is is a bunch of immigrants, really immigrants that came to this country uh, many in the past two centuries. Just like people, uh, it's it's a great point, and it's the exact same trend and and migration. Well, I'm glad
1: they all got here before Donald Trump became president <laughs> because he would ban them. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> we have. You had the Muslim ban. Yeah. We'd have the avocado band. That's it, <laughs> right? That's it. Well, you'd be okay with the kale
2: band.
0: Uh, the <laughs> kale
1: band, I would. I would, I would <laughs> lock them up. I would.